Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt, Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this hour of the H2O Podcast. My name is Jason Hunt. And he did that all wrong. It should have been, welcome to the H2O <laughs> musical episode. I said, I said we were going to sing. But I, I, I realize oh. as I'm as I'm doing this, uh, I realize that um, I did I, I spoke for you without speaking to you and and with you about this, and I thought, well, okay, but I'm it, not no, going. I, to I, I considered it, it, it occurred to me that I should have we should have talked about this before because I was like, we really should have just <laughs> leaned into this hard. You uh, know. Well. Yeah. Come, come up with some really just, you know, completely appropriate lyrics for introducing <laughs> the musical episode. Well, and uh, it's, it is funny because, you know, uh, we had the the setup on on Good Morning Multiverse where I, you know, you and me and, and Mindy all three up there at once. And uh, I, I had suggested that at one point that we could do the Three Stooges opening. And maybe that would be appropriate here, but there are only two of us. So, you know. Well, you know, the two stooges still works. I am Timothy Harvey, by the way. And uh, <laughs> I actually have a background in musical theater. I mean, we I did a lot of theater in, in high school and college and used to do musicals all the time. Um, woefully out of practice. Yeah. Woefully out of practice. I, I did some theater in my day, uh, never musical. I And I was never... I take it back. There was one play in college where I had a, a a fairly significant part. I played Dr. Bradman in Blythe Spirit. It was my it was my one it was my one time. Uh, and as I'm as I'm doing uh, as I'm doing the part, uh, I there was one night where I almost almost broke character because I could hear my dad's laughing in the audience and he's got such a distinctive laugh and I knew it was him. I was like, Oh crap, I'm going to lose it right here. And I had, you know, the lead, uh, the, the lead actress, uh, I can't remember the character, Carrie, Carrie. I don't know. But Dawn was looking at me. Dawn was like, focus on my eyes right here. My eyes. Look at me. Look at me. Don't lose it. (laughs) I was like, all right, I'm done. I'm not doing any more theater, but I never did a musical. Oh, yeah, we did my uh, my high school theater department. We were uh, my high school theater director, Terry McGonigal, fantastic director um, and just amazing costume designer. And just he always believed in challenging the students. He didn't want to just sit there and go, here's your standard, you know, high school thing. So we were the first high school in the Midwest to do Amadeus. Yeah. Uh, and I played Salieri. So, I mean, I got to really dig into some really cool parts. Um, but we did Godspell. My mom, my mom was never a big fan of, of my doing theater. My dad had done theater in, in college and really enjoyed it, but he got away from it. My mom was never a fan. Um, but we did Godspell. And, you know, it's a, it, if you're not, if you're not familiar with Godspell, I mean, it's a pretty famous play, but you know, whatever. Um, and of course it's, it's one of the, it and Jesus Christ Superstar, like the big Broadway shows yeah. about Jesus. And it's a very bright, fun show. We had a great time doing it. I almost, there's a, it was very physical. I was actually 
flipped up in the air and then land on my feet. It's cool. It's a cool bit. Um, they misjudged one night and I almost ended up in the orchestra pit. That was fun. The <laughs> audience thought it was a great moment. Oh, sure. Because it was and totally planned to be that way. It, it looked amazing. Um, <laughs> I almost had a heart attack <clears throat> and plummeted nine feet to a concrete floor. But hey, other than that, um, but the, it was the one show that afterwards my mom kind of walked up to me and she went, that was good. And that was it. That was, awesome. that was like the biggest compliment I ever got from my mom. Just, Why? Just, theater's not her thing. We're, and she was, not, she was not thrilled that her, her, her teenage son was rebelling by being a theater kid. We're going to have to do a show. Well, no, we shouldn't. I was about to suggest that we do a show on our moms, but I was like, no, that probably would backfire uh, quite a bit. Because my, my mother, me? my mother is the same way. She she was not enthusiastic about me uh, pursuing te- uh, film and television. Well, it, I started I started with radio, and and she's like radio. <laughs> and from there, I was like, well, okay, I'm I'm done. But uh, but it was one of those things where she. She gets it now, I think, more than than before, um, right. for various different reasons. I think I think at the time she thought I was being influenced by the wrong people to make the wrong decisions and such. Um, but that was know, actually one of my mother's objections to theater because yeah. the theater's full of the wrong people. Therefore. Right. That's right. Well, speaking of the wrong people, there are some episodes. Some television shows that do musical episodes that are completely wrong for the show, and some make it work. Yeah. So Lucifer is, you know, the the, the fifth season is airing now. The second half of fifth season, sixth season is is finished production. Uh, it's the, that's the final season, and um, it's on its way. Yeah. But they're wrapped, and they're doing interviews with all the, the various people about, you know, ending the show. And uh, they just did on, on this one of the most recent episodes was their musical episode. Uh, episode 10, Bloody Celestial Karaoke Jam. <laughs> in which, and if you're not familiar with the TV show Lucifer, uh, it is loosely based on the Mike Carey Lucifer comic book series, which is a spinoff of the Sandman series by Neil Gaiman. Uh, it ran for 75 issues, very successful uh, Vertigo title. Yeah. Uh, DC's uh, uh, not, often non-canon, uh, more, uh, I'm not going to say adult, but grown-up oriented titles, the, less the superheroes, different, different concepts. Yeah. Um, and the TV show has been turned out to be very popular. I was really skeptical about it because I'm a huge fan of the Lucifer comic book series, which is big ideas and and big concepts and it's not a police procedural where the devil decides to <laughs> be a cop um but it's a really entertaining show it's extremely well done the cast and crew are obviously having a good time the storylines are very interesting the most recent season has god coming down to earth to reconnect with some of his wayward children including his son, Lucifer. Dennis Habert is playing God. And Dennis Habert, you know, 
the Allstate hands guy. Oh, I mean, sure. You're, you're, yeah. So you're like, okay, the voice, you're like, okay. You know, it's like Morgan Freeman <laughs> playing God. You're like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm all right with this. Now, has anybody, has anybody said Dennis Haysbert is a, is a discount Morgan Freeman God here or no. Um, but it's come up with, with some interviews I've seen where people have sat there and went, you know, we, because, because Morgan Freeman has played God rather memorably on a couple of different occasions. Um, that's that automatic connection. Yeah. The people sit there and go, ah, but they're like, oh, you just watch him. And it's anyway, it, the performance is great. He's a very playful, often a very playful character. And so one day, because he wants to, he want, he follows Lucifer to work and wants to see what is, you know, what Lucifer's day is like. But he he loves music. And so he knows Lucifer loves music. So he decides to make people happy <laughs> and break into song. And like what do. is different than a lot of these musical episodes that you will get is a lot of them, of course, because rights issues are can be very expensive when it comes to music. Yeah. A lot of them write their own music for their own shows. The, they, they got the rights to songs like Another One Bites the Dust, Chris Isaac's Wicked Game, um, Every Breath You Take, uh, Bad to the Bone, uh, Just the <laughs> Two of Us, um, I Dreamed a Dream from uh, uh, Les Miserables. They actually got the rights to almost every, from what, from what I've heard, they, oh, didn't, they only had one song they couldn't get the rights to. They won't say what it is. Uh, and uh, everything else, they were like, we can't get that. Yeah, you can. <laughs> what? Oh, you know, how about I just, no. Oh, and Debbie Gibson. Debbie Gibson cameos in the the thing, not as herself, but as a character. Uh, and uh, just, and then gets to do a duet with uh, uh, Lucifer. So it's, it was a really entertaining episode. And, of course, Lucifer is sitting there going, Dad, stop it. <laughs> is it right? But you like singing. Yes, I like singing, but stop it. <laughs> my Very fun. My son was, was watching it uh, as, we, as we were traveling uh, over Memorial Day holiday, and uh, he rather enjoyed it, I think. Um, he's like, do y'all watch Lucifer? Oh, this is funny because I, I can hear him laughing in the background because he's got his he's got his Bluetooth headphones on in the back seat and he's not paying attention to anything. And I hear him I hear him chuckling every now and again as he's watching this thing. Um, but I I think I think he enjoyed it. Uh, Robert in the chat, it's time to start the music. It's time to light the lights. It's time to meet the H's on H two O tonight. That's as close as I'm going to get to any kind of rhyme or verse or anything tonight. Oh, wait, 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 wait. There's a copyright strike coming in there. <laughs> you know, as 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 often as I get them still from AdRev as for, for all of the music that we use for our, for our bumper music and stuff on Life in the Bunker, it's nice that I have connected our channel to our Storyblocks account where I get the license for the music that we use. So mm -hmm. I don't have to mess with that headache anymore. It's just so see, so you know. Boring. Unfortunately, there are. Um, and one of these days we'll have to do this because there have been a lot, there are a lot of creators out there uh, online who have been hit with copyright strikes from stuff they own, yeah, or they're licensed to uh, because there's copyright trolls out there who this is how they make their money. Well, and we uh, got hit once. Horrid. Yeah, we got hit once. We got the trailer. 
for was it the Phantom Menace when it came out in 3D? Mm-hmm. That's how far back this is. We got the trailer from Lucasfilm publicity. And we put it up on our channel. I'm saying, you know, Lucasfilm publicity gave us this. Here's this thing. And other channels have put trailers up on their, you know, Joe Blow and and IGN and a couple of others have have the official trailer and here it is. And we got a ding, we got a copyright claim from 20th Century Fox. Mm-hmm. And I I, I, t- I I called my Lucasfilm contact and I was like, um, Chris, what's going on? Because <laughs> you gave us this. And now 20th Century Fox, well, it was an email, and, and 20th Century Fox is dinging this. How do we, how do we clear this up? Because... You you guys said it was okay for us to do this. He's like, yeah, th- let me let me talk to some people because it's one of those left hand right hand type of things. Right, and I'm and, sure and, that it's gotten worse th- over the last twenty some odd years. So well, and and the sad thing is, of course, is that people people have got it in their heads that we'll just write a really good algorithm, <laughs> and. If there is one thing that has become, and, and, and this is blowing up all over the place because people are doing the same thing with facial recognition now, which of oh, course yeah. is, a, it's, a, it's a part and parcel of science fiction movies, right? You see it all the time. Um, except that it turns out that facial recognition works to a point and then it fails spectacularly. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys, the, uh, the copyright strike algorithm stuff people write, it's the same way. It yeah. works to a point, but the entire world does not operate in this narrow band. It operates over here too, yeah. and that's the problem. You, they, you, I'm sorry. It's garbage. It's garbage in, garbage out. It's this. It's this since the day for day one of computing. Well, and the other part there is you have these, like you say, these 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 predatory companies, these third party companies. That say, okay, well, this is how we're going to make our money doing all of these claims on behalf. Because AdRev is the worst of the lot as far as what we've had to deal with. Because it's AdRev on behalf of a third party. Well, okay, who's the third party? How are you involved? And, you know, it got to the point where we reported them to uh, the Better Business Bureau uh, of Silicon Valley in Los Angeles. Because they just kept going even though they had a copy of our license. Multiple copies of the license, and we've talked about this before. So it's it's one of those things. Where I'm like, well, you know, I just you know, we'll just do this little bit. So that's why we're not doing a musical episode. See, I I, I bring yeah. that around. Yeah, <laughs> unlike unlike the folks over at Lucifer who got the rights yeah. to, it. and and it turns out that the cast of Lucifer is generally speaking, overall, pretty talented singers. There's some weaker yeah. numbers, but you know what? It, 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 there's some they're they're fun, so you don't care as much. I I think you generally run into that where if you have like like with the Flash and Supergirl with that crossover, for example, mm-hmm. you have various different members of the cast who also have a musical talent, and right. at some point. And I know, I know this was the case with the Flash. You had a number of them kind of doing a little doo-woppy, singy, songy thing over on Instagram, and everybody's like, "Oh, 
does this mean we're going to get a musical episode? And it's, it's that default now, almost, uh, probably ever since Buffy the Vampire Slayer did it. Right, that's what I was going to say. That was the one that kicked all of this off, and now everybody's got to get a musical episode. And I'm I'm looking at this. This is TV Tropes. And this explains what the musical episode trope is. And as I'm going through this, down here below the explanation is a list Mm -hmm. of all of the different places where a musical episode has shown up. And this list goes for a while here. (laughs) And it includes anime and live action TV and comic books. And, and this is, this is where I kind of get a little bit looking sideways at some of this, because some of these examples that they got on this list are not full blown. The entire episode is a musical. They have like the battle of the bands or somebody sings a song or there's a cast, you know, a cast ensemble thing chorus at the end, but it's not the entire episode. So this list is a lot longer than I think it probably should be, but it includes a Doctor Who comic strip, Doctor Who magazine comic strip, with the 11th Doctor and Amy landing on a planet where everybody breaks into song and dance. Uh, This list also includes fan works, fan fiction. Uh, My Little Pony, Equestria Girls, apparently was was the thing. Battle of the Bands is the plot device that they use there. And then here's this one. Uh, I don't know if this might qualify for Foreign Bodies. Slumber Party Massacre 2 apparently is a musical type of sequel. The main characters are an all-girl rock group, and the main villain is a spectral rock star whose main weapon is an electric guitar outfitted with a drill. Well, of course. (laughs) I thought I thought the electric guitar is supposed to have a flamethrower attached to it. Oh, only if you're driving. Yeah, um, and then of course you have, as we have discussed before, "How Much for Just the Planet" by John M. Ford. This is a novel in the Star Trek universe, and you like it. I don't. I didn't take to it. It's, um, it well, it, the thing is, is that Star Trek, while Star Trek often has funny moments. It is one of the few novels that is written as a comedy. Mm-hmm. It is, it is, and, and it plays with a lot of theater tropes in its own right. Yeah. Uh, now, it's strictly speaking, is not a musical. It's a Star Trek episode where the crew is assaulted by musical numbers, much to their great chagrin. I think one of the one of the crew breaks out in song. I think Sulu might actually sing back the line. If uh-huh. I remember right, someone sings something, he sings back the next line, and they were impressed. But other than that, it's not like, you know, suddenly Spock is, you know, crooning blues numbers. Um, it's, you know, although 
considering it's, it's mostly considering the, it's mostly Gilbert and Sullivan. Oh yeah, it's yeah. and it's a lot of riffs on on existing songs. Um, although considering the fact that that several of the Star Trek cast did cut albums, <laughs> um, the fact that we never for got for good Star or Trek, ill, for good or for ill, yeah, because uh, yeah, I mean you know that's just what we need is the William Shatner musical number. Um, Mm-hmm. So you know, <laughs> so I think it's a little. It, but it, there's there's a fringe episode where there is singing, but it's. I think I think there's a distinction here between an episode with songs sung by the cast, yeah, or a musical episode where it is the a significant chunk of the story revolves around singing and often it's sort of the um they're singing for some sort of story-driven reason like they're under a spell or um you know something is something has happened where music is the only way they can communicate yeah Uh, you know there's some reason for this or like in, in the lucifer episode where suddenly people are breaking out into musical dance numbers because God thinks music is great. Right. And in this you particular know. case on The Fringe, uh, Walter is high, and he's telling a story. Not the only time on Fringe where Walter is high. And it <laughs> includes everybody in musical numbers. Now I have not seen this. I will admit that I missed Fringe. I was I was in the midst of a bunch it. of other things. But now I was very disappointed in fact and I will say this uh they uh they announced that Debris which is uh NBC NBC they've canceled yes. uh Debris so it's not getting a second season. Um which is unfortunate because I thought it was really really good. So I'm wondering folks, if, if maybe it gets it, shopped around. They're they're still hopeful that, but who knows? But yeah. uh, it's un, it's it's too bad. But yeah, well, Walter, the uh, that actor has shown John up. Uh, he shows up. Yeah, he shows up in the last episode, uh, and is just evil. I'm like, ooh, this guy's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's funny because I'm I'm going through and I'm looking at all of these different lists of musical episodes ranked. You know, all the best ones ever, and all of this. And of course, on all of them, there are the usual suspects. You've got, you know, once more with feeling from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, this this one from Fringe, Brown Betty. There's a musical episode from um, Grey's Anatomy, the Ally McBeal one. Uh, Community's got a musical, and I'm looking at this. And I'm thinking, well, where's where's Batman? Where's Batman? And leave it to Den of Geek to give us, uh, on their list, Batman the Brave and the Bold, Mayhem of the Music Meister. And I've got to say, you know, when I when we first found out that Neil Patrick Harris was going to play the Music Meister, of course everybody thought, oh, well, this is going to be a musical episode. How are they going to pull that off? Because the Brave and the Bold, this particular cartoon, this animated Batman series, is a little over-the-top already it's it's sort of a batman 66 ish in tone 
but it's very well done. Diedrich Bader does a really good job as Batman, uh, mm-hmm. very serious Batman. Of course, it's not his singing voice, uh, but it's it's a fun it's a fun little bit. You know, you get to hear. You get to hear everybody sing. I mean, the Music Meister and Black Canary and uh, Black Canary, whoever sang for Black Canary's got a great voice. And, you know, Green Arrow sings. And it's and this is the episode that gives us the beginning of the romance between Green Arrow and Black Canary in this in this continuity, mm-hmm. which I thought was a fun bit. Uh, but yeah, it's it's one of those where the Music Meister is made because you always have to have that excuse that reason and it's got to be in continuity and it has to be in the story and somehow it it whatever the logic of the show is this is why they're doing it Mm -hmm. and some pull it off a little bit better than others well and i think that science fiction and fantasy has the advantage mostly fantasy has the advantage because you can have an episode like uh buffy or xena or supernatural yeah all of which, or Lucifer, that all deal with, you know, some sort of magic, some well, sort of... the super the supernatural one, that was kind of not, not necessarily a magic m- explanation. It was a little bit more mundane than, with that, with, with the all-girls school making a musical out of supernatural. So, so it's almost a meta, a meta theme thing there. Uh, yeah. But yeah, you have... Yeah, magic is probably the biggest one out of all of them um you know, what supergirl flash crossover they're in a coma so it's an hallucination kind of like with gray's anatomy you had uh right. you had you know she's in a she's in a car accident and she's hallucinating musicals and i didn't know they did that on chicago hope and i thought I, okay i stopped watching chicago, chicago hope long before i think i just watched the first i think i watched the first season of chicago hope yeah but I i'm think, i'm looking at this list of of all of these places where there's been a a a musical episode of some sort cold mm-hmm. case code black chicago hope i'm like why why would you do a musical episode in some of these shows it just doesn't make sense because Buffy did it, everybody went nuts. Yeah, and and I think that to, to be honest, um, you can see this with some of the some of these shows where the idea the, the idea of the oddness of it, the mm-hmm. break from the norm. Yeah, uh, probably was really appealing to the writers and the actors, just because you know even as much you might really love doing your show really love writing for it or, or directing it or acting in it but it's a job that after a while it can it's going to have a certain amount of sameness you know there was the 200th episode of supernatural yeah. they'd been on for a while you know having and and of course this is the the, the tail end of the series where things were like we got to come up with something <laughs> this is past the point where a lot of fans sat there and went you know, you know, you had a, you had a good endpoint. You, you know that, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we 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 appreciate you guys still going and all, but but see, if if you're gonna do that, see with with a milestone episode, I think probably the best one that I've run across so far, 
in terms of going that that long is Stargate with the episode 200, which is their 200th episode. And that's the one where they bring Marty back and they're going to be making a Stargate movie. You know, well, right. X, X, whatever, X Factor or X, X Dimension, Dimension X or whatever it is that Marty came up with the show based right. on the Stargate stuff, right? And the, the Stargate people are making pitches to Marty and you get the, you get the marionettes from, uh, uh, what was the, what was the movie? Um, oh, I just went blank. Uh, the superpower force. What was that? What was that movie? The, 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 they're, they're the super soldier team. Um, it was rated R. World, Team America? Team America, yeah, something like that. So you had those those marionettes as well, the Stargate cast as those marionettes. You had uh, somebody, you know, Vala making a pitch to do uh, a Gilligan's Island or or um, the Wizard of Oz. And then you have the Farscape bit right in right. the middle of it. And like, with, with Farscape actors. Yeah, uh, but not playing not playing their original right. cast. Exactly. It, that was that was fun because you know, and and it turns out it was funny because um, I read I read somewhere that originally the plan was that Michael Shanks would do the Stark character, and Ben Browder would do Creighton again. You know, would would be that, and they had the idea to flip it. Yes, it would be funnier. If we flipped it, and that's what they ended up doing. Interestingly enough, this is a little bit of, of uh, uh, Farscape trivia. Um, the character of Stark, uh, who, if you uh, have also, the same actor appeared in, in the first Matrix film as one of the agents, um, was not meant to be on the show as long as he was on the show. Yeah. But Ben Browder loved the character and was friends with the actor. And so he kept pushing to bring Stark back. And they were like, yeah, okay. 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 <laughs> so he was, he ended up, I mean, he was not meant to have as much screen time as he got, but, uh, uh, and then, and then, uh, Ben Browder wrote and directed a couple of episodes and you can tell he's a big fan because Stark pops up in those episodes too. Even, mm. even when he's been off the show for a while, yeah. Suddenly he pops back up because Ben like, I like this character. <laughs> <laughs> Mindy said she jumped off the couch. I think on the, on the, when we were, cause we were going through all of the Stargate, we were doing a binge and we got to that episode and I was like, I can't wait for you to get, I can't wait to get to 200 because I knew what was coming and right. I, I couldn't say anything. I couldn't tell her anything. I was like, ah, oh, this is going to be a fun episode, but I can't tell you why. And it, Every every time when we got to that Farscape thing, she got really excited because she's enjoyed the show as well. And we're on the we're on the back end of Atlantis right now, and 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 getting on that. So, yeah, some 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 musical episodes don't go so well. Well, and it's it's interesting because of course, once you dive into the musical episode. Mm a lot of times it will cross over with the noir episode. Yeah. Uh, because of course it gives you an excuse to be in a nightclub and have one of the characters, you know, usually one of the, the, the female characters be a torch singer in a bar. 
or a nightclub. Yeah, and and everybody so, gets to everybody gets to dress up and get glammed right. up for the 1920s. And, yeah. Now the noir episode is more prevalent, mostly because it's easy to shoot in black and white and put people in in costumes. It's easier to do that than necessarily make sure that your entire cast can actually sing. Yeah. Um, and uh, yes, M- uh, Mindy, we all miss Furphy. Uh, Wayne Pygram <laughs> is the bomb. Yeah. I, you know, it's, I, I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised, but not uh, that we didn't, we didn't get a, a, a Farscape musical episode. Um, I don't know were, how you would have you know, done it, but I, I'm sure they would have done it, except that they had already decided that they were going to do episodes that were completely bonkers and off the wall anyway. Yeah, <laughs> that it was almost like taking a the musical overkill. episode would have been taking steps back. Yeah, from some of the because I mean, especially especially once they realized that the Sci-Fi Channel was going to cancel them and uncancel them and can and, and you know all these different things. They're just like, we're going to do what we're going to do. And, and, and then what do you think? There's the revival I want folks. <clears throat> Dear Henson. Yeah. What, you know, and what and I know think, a lot of people, I'm not the only one. So what do you think the Firefly musical episode would have looked like? Because you know, if the show had survived sometime during season two, Whedon would have probably said, Hey, let's do a musical episode. Um, it would have been Jane getting hit on the head. <laughs> and he wakes up and everyone's singing. Because Jane, of course, would be that perfect character to look around and just be like, you know, this is yeah. stupid. And it, and just have that be the running gag that he's just completely put upon by all, and you know. And then, yeah, that it would have been that. And because, I mean, everybody else, you know, and and he hallucinates that the nurse taking care of him is his mother. <laughs> I just think I think Mal would have basically sat there with whatever and just gone with it. <laughs> uh, and Nara would have leaned into it heavy, and she would just had a great time. Sure, sure. Well, and now there are there are some, and you know, you look at like the Flash, the Flash Supergirl crossover where. You have uh, people who have been on Glee, for example. I mean, Grant Gustin, Melissa Benoist, and Darren Crist mm-hmm. all have been on Glee. They have a musical theater background, and this is just like, oh yeah, we're so excited! We're this is going to be great. And and I have to wonder when when you get into those episodes where you 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 know there's a musical episode coming. I have to wonder how many of them, cast and crew, are really excited about it, let's really do this and lean into it and go all all gangbusters, and how many of them are dragged, kicking and screaming into the musical episode. Because now, you know, especially now, when it's become this trope that, Oh, it's the musical episode. You know, it's it's become almost a joke now when the show has their musical uh their musical outing. And I have to wonder how many people are like, "Well, okay, it's the musical episode. I guess we'll do it." Okay. Yeah. 
Well, I think, I think it's less that. I mean, I'm sure there's some of that as well, but I think it's less that the folks who are like, uh, <clears throat> uh, boss, I can't sing. <laughs> uh, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't carry a tune if you gave me a bucket. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, and there's, like I said, watching the, watching the Lucifer episode, I mean, this is, this is a cast that has a lot of musical talent, but there's a range. Mm-hmm. And some folks are just like, it's a very workmanlike. I I have come to sing this song, and I am doing the song, and I <laughs> you're paying me to do the song, and I'm going to give you the best I can. But clearly, I'm not making an album. It's, it's clearly like, I'm an actor, not a singer. Yeah, it's like Pierce Brosnan in Mamma Mia, right, or or something something along those lines. And you know, and, and like and like here, that works for the character to some degree. You end mm-hmm. up with you know you it. It's awkward, but it actually plays into the story. I think the good the good writers and directors and actors sit there and go, "Yeah, you, we have to play with the fact that you know." Yeah, and, and you can you know you can have, you can get some good stuff out of that. Um, Mazur says uh, tried four separate times to watch Firefly. Uh, he has the DVD set. Maybe one day to latch on. It's a good show. Um, so I, for all I think, for all the negative blowback that Whedon's got now, uh, Firefly as it is 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 an excellent show. I I have always I have always enjoyed it. Um, and the movie Serenity not as much. I really like the film, but it, it I mean it does give you a little bit. It, you know, it gives you a sense of closure. It does wrap up some storylines. It, it it completes that story. It, they at least get an ending. But for is 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 what just a fantastic yeah. villain in that film. I think I think you Firefly is one of those shows that if you didn't watch it when it was on, if you didn't come into it fairly early, mm-hmm. because so many people love the show that you hear about how great this show is. And if you if, if, if for any reason it doesn't necessarily appeal to you or didn't sit there, you're not like champing at the bit to watch it. Yeah. The more that goes on, the more it can become very easy to sit there and go, it's not going to live up to the hype. It's not going to live up to the hype. It's not going to live up to the hype. Yeah. And, and I think the other thing to remember is that when it came out, there was nothing like it on TV. Yeah. And, and the Fox people didn't even know what to do with it. There's a lot of stuff since then. There have been a lot of shows that have that have worked in the same, you know, basic space of storytelling. So, uh, I mean, yeah, it's a wonderful show. I'm a big big fan, but it's okay. It's okay to not get into a show. I mean, there's a lot of good, there's a lot of good shows that I just was never that big of a fan of. Yeah. There was a friends reunion and I'm like, oh. Oh yeah. Yeah, I didn't I, I yeah. I watched I think the first couple of seasons of Friends. I think like everyone everyone around me, like it was the law. Mm-hmm. And then I lost interest. And I can't even tell you why. I just didn't care yeah. for it. Gr- Grey's Anatomy was like that for me because my my first marriage, uh the 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 she was a big fan of Grey's Anatomy. And it started off, I, I have to admit, it started off 
better, but the longer it went, and it's still going, but the longer it went, the less interested I was in the show. And I thought, is this show still on? And I I fairly quickly lost interest. But, you know, I'm... I'm going to be nice. I, you know, I'll, I'll sit and I'll watch the show with you. But, you know, I've, I've never, I, I have not been a fan of Grey's Anatomy for a long time. There's, there's something to be said for that kind of storytelling. And, and, and sometimes it's really appealing. Yeah. And, but it's a big soap opera. And, and uh, it's nighttime dramas. Okay, folks, you go back to, Shows like Falcon Crest and Dynasty, yeah. uh, Dallas, they were all really designed to be big nighttime soap operas. And some of them were written extremely well. And, so, and, and certainly they, they were iconic pieces of television. But the thing about soap operas is that they're still on the air decades later. Yeah. And storytelling standards... And the quality of the storyline, uh, this is going to be a con- this is going to be a controversial opinion. So, to you fan of soap we, operas, we I'm not those. saying <laughs> I'm not saying the stories and soap operas are stupid. I'm saying some of the storylines. <laughs> well, I, uh, it, yeah, there was much, there was a friend of mine in college who used to watch soap operas fairly religiously. This, uh-huh. this is he really liked them. And I, I admit to have having built a image of soap operas in my head. Had not really watched many of them. Mm. I'm thinking, like, you know, there's there's a stigma that goes with, with soap operas, sure, right? Right. And and here again, folks, if you enjoy, you know, One Life to Live or or any of these shows, great, fantastic. Um, but I sat down. I was I was mocking it. She was, "Have you watched any of these?" And I'm like, "Uh." Not really. Well, you should. And so I did. And I sat down. And it was a terrible time for me to be doing this because a character had left the show and they'd recast with an actor. And they explained that he was, everyone had thought he was dead, but now he was back. And uh, he had, he had, he had a reconstructive plastic surgery. And I looked at her and I went, he's like, four inches taller than the first actor. He's like, and and I was just down the list of how this person no way resembled this guy at all. And I said, you know, that's not how it works. Right. (laughs) You know, he had, had, his voice sounded different because there was experimental surgery. I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) And then in the show, and I can't remember which soap opera this is. um, They brought the original actor back. And revealed that the new guy was actually evil, and he was. I'm like, okay, yeah, the evil twin, the evil twin trope, and he wasn't even a twin. Uh, so it was just, yeah, it was very. I was like, okay, this so is. I'm I'm looking here just really quick because I'm I was curious about it. The longest running soap opera in the United States is not the longest running soap opera ever. Uh, it's a, right. it's a show in the UK called Coronation street, which started in 1960. This and, is a hugely popular show in the UK. This is like the family sit around generational fan show. 
this is a show that puts on puts out big actors, draws in big actors, and put and, and exports big actors to theater and stage and film all the time. Yeah. Well, and you've got General Hospital, which mm-hmm. started on ABC in 1963, and you've got Days of Our Lives on NBC in 1965. But one of those, I think, started as a radio program, didn't it? I think so. But I don't remember which one it was. Um, there was one. There was one that started off. I want to see. It was either General Hospital or or As the World Turns or something. Was was a uh, a radio program before it was on TV. So it's even longer than fifty some odd years mm-hmm. that it's been on television. Right. I don't know. I don't know. I'm but, sure they've had their musical episodes as well. Uh, well, can you imagine a musical episode of Dallas? Yes. <laughs> right after right after Jr. got shot, and he's hallucinating. Who shot Jr.? Well, <laughs> you know, once once. Uh, once the shower reveal happened, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, all bets were off. I think, uh, yeah, I think, I think there's something to be said for uh, the even if, though there are as many are as they are, uh, there's something to be said for sort of the uniqueness of putting that kind of change in a story. You know, there's TV shows that are about music, and there's TV shows that are about theater, and yeah. So obviously that stuff is just part of the story. Well, and, that, and it makes really sense. You get something like Glee or High School Musical, the musical, the TV show. Right, right. Which is a dumb title, but okay. Hannah Montana. Sure. Riverdale, because you've got uh, Josie and the Pussycats. Mm-hmm. You've got the Archies. You could You can do that kind of thing. Right. But X-Files? It, it, you know, you gotta you gotta start twisting around a lot to make some sense in in some of these, you know. But you know, you really feel like someplace things were like missed opportunities. Like, where is my full on Twin Peaks musical episode? Mm, yeah, because they had music in the show. They had moments where people were singing, and you had it in the new series. You had it in the movie. You had all these different things, but they never leaned into the full on. And I would just love to see David Lynch get his hands on a full-on musical. Let's just lean well, into it. That would just be nuts. You talk about progression of, of that kind of thing. <clears throat> Star Trek Voyager uh, is, is one of those where a, a couple of episodes you had the, the singing, you know, one of the characters singing, and then they go into this full-on episode later where you're in this, uh, you're in this environment. You're in this uh, society that values music, and the and the doctor becomes this opera star and all that. And they kind of lean into that with the musical episode of Voyager, but it wasn't, you know, every line is is, right. you know, music. It wasn't it wasn't something like that. But you know, you see that progression where people start to think ahead and they say, okay, well, this person could sing and that person mm-hmm. could sing and this person could sing. Hey, let's put on a show. And it doesn't right. necessarily follow that it's the best idea for every show to have a, a, a musical episode. Are we at the point where it's become almost a tired trope now? Do you think? Uh, I, I See, no. 
you know, I just watched one, which was really well handled. Uh, and I think, I think my biggest criticism of that episode is that I kind of think I would, I mean, it, it was, it was fun to watch these actors. Uh, Tom Ellis has got a fantastic singing voice. He's a performer. Uh, he, you know, the, anytime you see Lucifer playing the piano in the yeah. show, it's Tom Ellis is playing the piano. He's a, um, accomplished pianist and, and a professional singer. And, um, so he does a really good job and the rest of the cast with varying degrees, really good, but As good as they are and as fun as they are to listen to these songs through them. Another One Bites the Dust is always going to sound better if Brian May is on guitar. Brian May is not on guitar. They, got, they do their own arrangements right. for this thing. And that, you know, and that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But I don't know. It's just, it doesn't have the same kind of punch. And some of the things don't quite fit. The Tom Ellis is his debut, his, his duet with uh, Debbie Gibson in it because they're friends. Yeah. Uh, and they do every breath you take. Well, it's how do you how do you do that as a duet? It can be done, and they do it, and it's nice to hear them sing together. Yeah. But it doesn't quite work you almost want to have an episode where you know they were writing original stuff for the show i mean i get it and it, and it's like i said it's fun they do bad to the bone they do no scrubs you know they they get all these cool things together um but uh you know the squirrel nut zippers version of hell is always going to be more fun than what you could do on a tv <laughs> budget is it is what 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 series uh, if if you were to if you were to have your way and pick a series that has not had a musical episode, and let's say that it's still in production, <clears throat> well, oh, if it's still no, in production. we don't we don't have to limit it. We don't have to limit it to that. Any 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 genre series that has not had a musical episode, which one would you want to see have a musical episode? Oh, we've already mentioned it. I, Farscape would just be, yeah. I just, I, I want, to, I, yeah. Because first of all, Wayne Pygram, who played Scorpius, the villain, is an accomplished drummer, uh, and he is he. As the various episodes of the show where you see the him playing the drums, he's really mm -hmm. playing the drums. Yeah. Uh, in fact, that's the reason he's playing the drums in the show is because that they are went, Wayne, you're a great drummer. And he's like, <laughs> yes, I know. And they're like, put it in the show. Um, and, and the cast is a lot of the cast has singing experience. That would have been so much fun. Uh, get Virginia. Hay. that's what we need. That's what we needed. We need that would be a 1940 set musical episode. Uh, so they could do the whole, they could lean into it, do the full costume things. Yeah. Um, because, uh, Claudia black, Claudia black is a nightclub singer. It's something I would pay money to see. Um, <laughs> Virginia Hay in an evening gown. She's, she's, Stunning woman, um, Dargo in an ill-fitting tux. That would be oh, yeah. great. And of course, uh, you'd have to have Crichton uh, as a in a rumpled, uh, you know, down on his luck kind of rumpled, disheveled tie kind of situation. Yeah, because um, oh, yeah, he's because he's the private I, eye. I let's the bartender. Sure. So um, yeah, I'm, I I 
I would I would have that in a second. Give that and, to me. And Rigel, of course, is the crime boss. Of course. <laughs> He's um 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 He's the Sydney Green Street. Sydney Green Street, yes, thank you. And you have Stark as um the uh Peter Laurie. Oh yeah. That would be so much fun. All right, dear Hollywood. Dear, well, yeah. Give yeah. them another reason to finally pull it all together. We we have never gotten our our uh, Farscape revival. They've promised us a couple of different versions that have not come to pass. Well, and we're hearing uh, we're hearing rumblings that they're still trying to revive Stargate. And now that now that Amazon is making a play for MGM, what might be the possibility there that that you know, Stargate is still fairly popular and it was a successful series of shows and it's it's money on the table. It's right there. To be honest, I have always wanted to see more Stargate universe. I like the fact that they tried to do uh, something different. I, it, I didn't it like it. It wasn't always successful, but I appreciate the fact they tried to do something different with the franchise. Well, and I don't. Yes, I except, like it when, when except, people do that. Except they did something different with Stargate, but they didn't do something different in terms of shows that we've already seen this kind of thing happen. I mean, it was it was Voyager with a Battlestar Galactica filter attached to it, and and I look at this. This is not original. We've seen this show more than once. I mean, you could go back to the Lost Saucer from Sid and Marty Croft, and and have this kind of thing. So, it just, I, and I don't I don't disagree, um, but I did appreciate the fact that, uh, uh, and I always think that you should always have Robert Carlyle play snarky, uh, <laughs> moderately unpleasant people. He's really really good at it. Yeah. Um, and uh, Curtis mentions Rob Zombie's doing the monsters. Do you think we'll get some musical numbers in that? Should we get musical numbers in that? So I think the answer is probably we should. My question is, um, my the best films Rob Zombie has made, in my opinion, and again, folks. Feel free to disagree with me. Um, Rob Zombie does better at making crime pictures than he does making horror pictures. Yeah. And that's my opinion. I don't think much of Rob Zombie's horror movies, but uh, yeah, there's, um, there's, you know, his, his more crime pictures are, are better films, personally. Curtis seems to agree with you. Says yes. Well, you know, I'm, I'm occasionally, I'm occasionally not wrong. I said occasionally. Occasionally. I didn't say I was right. I said I'm not wrong. Oh. All right. So uh, for me, I'm trying to think because all of these. One, one series where they are possibly going to be tempted to do it, and I hope they don't. I really hope we don't get a musical episode in Superman and Lois. Because right now, that show is just fine. Don't mess with what you're doing. 
I have you seen have you seen this? Hey, you you need to watch Superman and Lois. You need to watch the show. I know it's CW. I know it's Greg Berlanti, but it completely goes against all of your expectations of a Greg Berlanti CW DC show because it's good. And it actually, and I, I, Mindy and I were talking about this the other day. I have a suspicion that Todd Helbing, who is the showrunner on that show, is the one holding the line, basically saying, no, it's going to be Superman. It's going to really be really Superman. Not some emo twisted up, dark, gritty, grungy. No, no. We're going to have Superman in this show. And so far, they have done such a good job with both Superman and Lois, the core character, you know, the core of those characters. And I've, I've read interviews with Helbing where he's talking about, this is who they are. This is who these characters are. And he gets it. And I'm like, don't, don't give us a musical episode. Please don't get so you realize you've said all this stuff out loud. I know. You I've know, know I've, what I've, happens. I've put it in the universe. Say these things out loud. I've put it in the universe. I want to take it back. I'll take it back. I'll take it back. Do it. Do it. I don't know. It just I I just I've never been a big fan of musical episodes in general because I think they're dumb. Even if you make the, you know, if you do the in-show logic, it's a magic spell, it's a curse, it's a thing, it's a whatever, it's still dumb. <laughs> I just, I'm, call me a cynic, call me the old man, just get off my lawn while you're doing it, and I don't need a, I don't need a musical episode. I, I, I've never gotten into them. Oh, well, the thing is that they are, they are absolutely not necessary. Yeah. They are, they are an indulgence. And uh, sometimes that indulgent, indulgence works. Well, sometimes, eh, but more, so it seems like it's more of an indulgence for the cast and crew than it is for the audience. I mean, audience sure is going to appreciate it. And in some cases, you know, now that you've had Buffy, everybody starts to expect it. But it, it the word gratuitous comes to mind. Where maybe maybe some of these shows feel obligated to do a musical episode, whether whether it makes sense to do one or not. I mean, maybe. I, I think to some degree that there's probably an expectation for some of these shows. Yeah. Yeah. But when you you also have something like like you know coming back to Lucifer, there has been musical numbers in the show where they basically had Tom Ellis at the piano singing, and it's been part of the show because that's part of what the character does at his nightclub, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Or you see him in his apartment, you know, having an emotional moment and he's playing at the piano. Or something. Um, and that makes sense if you've got a character who is a performer. Right. Who does this kind of thing. Sure. And so, but I also think to some degree, there was a sense with this, with the fifth season, which they were not expecting to get into a sixth season. Yeah. Fifth, fifth season was going to be it. And so I think there was a certain amount of, you know, while we're here, <laughs> let's do the thing. Yeah, and and I think that and there's there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you know, and and quite frankly, you know, I think the shows where it works the best are the shows where the cast and crew are clearly having a good time. 
oh, sure. even outside of this kind of story. So when you and you can tell, you can tell when when a casting crew is just really enjoying doing the thing. Yeah, and those are the ones where the musical episode seems to work the best because it looks like we might be doing a really super serious show, but you can tell the cast really is having fun uh, and give, you know, they, yeah, it's just, um, and of course, you know, fantasy shows essentially. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to see a Star Trek musical. That would be fun. Or like just mm. once and then sit there and go, okay, now we never see, never, never see do this again. No, I I don't know that you could do a Star Trek musical, not not a real one. You could do okay. you could do like a Doctor Who, uh, for the children type of thing. Oh sure, you know, like uh-huh. they've done you know they've done that kind of thing in the past, and maybe something they've done the radio play. Big Finish has done a Doctor Who musical on audio, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't know that I ever want to see a Star Trek musical. I mean. For now, I'd be happy with a Star Trek show that actually feels like a Star Trek show with people who understand what Star Trek actually really is. Let's get there first, and then we can circle back to the idea of a musical episode. Because right now, Kurtzman and that group, they just, to me, it, my opinion, they don't get it at all. So Yeah, and, and I... Uh, I think it took them a long time with Discovery, but they're finally there, and I think they're they get it in other shows that you don't think they get it on, but I do. So that's how it works. Yeah, well, that's how it works. All right, so that we will leave it at that. And uh, for those of you who are watching or listening to this as a podcast, if you've got your favorite musical episodes, or if you've got shows you think you need a musical episode, let us know. Love you can to hear that. Leave us a comment or send us an email, h2o at sci-fi for me.com. And uh, that's going to do it for us. Tomorrow night, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central, we'll have all the latest Star Wars news on a brand new Salacious Crumbs. And uh, then we will be back here next week to do this all over again. Do we have a topic? Have we figured out a topic? You know, I'm wondering if we need to, at some point, pick a very, very, very controversial topic and just run with it and just just see what happens but then I think nah I'm good (laughs) so the thing is we need to pick a controversial topic that is just so dumb (laughs) I mean just (laughs) admittedly just uh, well I think I think our opinions would would probably differ on even that on, well, on I know somewhere. that would be the fun thing is that we could have, we could argue about something that doesn't matter. <laughs> that, <laughs> oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. All right. So here's what we could do. All right, we could debate the logic and the benefit, the pros and cons of switching the colors of the uniforms on command and services for from from original series to next generation. I, I fear that there's probably some deeply held emotional feelings involved <laughs> with that for some people. We might be in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, um, uh, Mindy, Mindy is suggesting uh, physical media. The idea of, of physical media versus digital downloads and stuff. That actually is not really much of a controversy so much, but, you know, there is, there is an argument to be made for 
getting physical media. I know, I know, uh, 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 Robert Meyer Burnett is a big proponent of physical media. Get, get the DVD, get the Blu-ray, get the book because the digital stuff can be taken away. Uh, there's, there's some interesting discussion that we had on that. Um, and I think the inevitability of the digital format becoming the dominant. Yeah. And I'm not, and you might notice that I was clearly not enthusiastic about that, but there's an economic reason for it. So. Mindy reminded me. Oh, you'll appreciate this. I think I have I shown you these? <clears throat> I don't know. I don't right. know what, we'll, they, what are what we'll, are these? We'll close this out. Um I, I, I talked about this over on, on Life of the Bunker. I managed to get a hold of four Tarzan books by Ooh, okay. Edgar cool. Rice Burroughs. Yeah. And these our first editions. Nice. Yes, 1914. This one right here, Tarzan of the Apes. 1914. I was like, um, I don't know that you know what you're selling, but I'll buy them because I know what they are. But yeah, I was very excited about that. But see, this kind of thing you can't you can't do this with a digital with a digital book. No, but you know you know what the you know what the folks who put who publish this stuff will tell you. They make more money if you buy the digital download because they don't have to make the thing. I know, but still, well, I mean, you do have a production expense in 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 creating the document. Right, but there's but, no, but there, you don't have, yeah. you don't have to build a you don't have to build the thing that. The delivery mechanism. I know, but you know, there's just something about holding a book in your hand. I completely agree. You know? It's why. It's Com- why I comic uh, books the same way. Yeah. We'll have to talk about that at some point. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for us tonight. Thanks very much for being here, everyone. Those of you who were in the chat, good to see you, Curtis and Azarus, yeah, and uh, Robert. And we will be back next week with another discussion with digressions here on the H Two O Podcast. Good night, everyone. Good night, guys. Copyright 2021 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.